God, thank you that the words of that song are true. Uh, that through everything that your word is enough, that you are enough. I pray that we would cling to that. We would draw our power on that. Um, I pray that you just speak to us this morning. You would convict us. You would grow us uh, towards you. I pray you'd speak through Michael. Speak through your word, God. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the reasons I, I like that song and one of the reasons I like... Um, you read through the Old Testament, you get a chance to, to hear God's voice speaking. You read the words and you get His perspective. And, and that song is sung in the first person. That song is sung from God's perspective. And I, I like that. We, we, we sing God's words after Him. And, we, and that allows uh, Him to, to sing to our hearts as well. So I, I pray and hope that you were encouraged by that. Um, there are lots of announcements in the bulletin. You can look at all those. One I would like to add that's not there. Um, September is a, a fifth Sunday month, so we will have our uh, fifth Sunday potluck at the end of September. And then we will also have a congregational meeting at the end uh, or during or however that works at potluck. So put that on your calendars. And I don't know what that date is, but it's the fifth Sunday of September, whatever that happens to be. Um, You'll hear more about that in the newsletter that comes out the end of this week. Like I said, you can read the rest of those. And again, if you um, want to make a check out and put it in the box to the Gideons, you can do that. That's in the back on the table. We are in the middle of uh, a long walk through Colossians that we have been uh, working on since uh, summer or early summer. And... We have really come to a crawl these last four weeks, as this is now the fourth week, and we're, we're going to tackle the third verse in four weeks. But we've, we've slowed down on purpose to, to hit some of these ideas in chapter 3, uh, kind of one at a time, and we'll continue to do that. Next week, we'll do one more, and then maybe the week after, we'll do two more and actually tackle maybe four or five verses, um, and then we'll actually do a slight detour and, and do a whole book of the Bible in, in one week. If you read ahead, you'll probably figure out which one that is. And then we'll finish up in a couple of weeks. So we're maybe a couple of months away from finishing Colossians, give or take. Since September has five Sundays, it may go quicker than that. But this morning we are in chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. Uh, let me read that to begin with, and then we will look at God's Word together briefly. Uh, just one verse. Paul writes... Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray, and then we'll talk about God's Word. Father, I pray again that you would uh, allow us to hear and understand, and that your will would move us, and that we might uh, be encouraged, enlightened, and challenged this morning. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, How many of you here this morning would consider yourself children? Raise your hand. Consider yourself children. That's good. Some of the adults are doing that too. That's right. Um, excellent. Uh, if you raised your hand, and, and even if you didn't, this message is for you. How many of you are under the age of 12? Raise your hand. Andy, and then a few others. You know what's amazing about this? For those of you who are under the age of 12, I want you to back up about 2,000 years for a moment. Because what would have happened is these, these believers, including their children would have been gathered together for the reading of this letter. And what's amazing is, is that 
is that halfway through this letter, Paul says, children. He expects those kids that were present in that room to not only understand, but to hear what he was saying. And so for those of you who who sometimes think, why do I have to sit here and listen to this guy? (laughs) Paul expected that you would have heard and understood. He wrote words specifically for you. This world-famous evangelist sends a letter to your church and he expects you to hear and listen and understand. We'll talk about that some more in a minute. How many of you are over 12 this morning in here, but still, still are living at home and you live with your parents? You're over 12, but you still live at home and live with your parents. Raise your hand if that's you. Or 12 or over, because if you're 12, I've skipped you completely, right, this morning? Um, sometimes in the church, we have been guilty at times of, of separating you out. You're part of the youth group, and you kind of do your own thing. But the reality is, you are, if you have placed your faith in Christ, if you've accepted His death, burial, and resurrection, His payment for your sins, you're part of the church. Not only are you part of the church, but we need you, and, and those of you who are younger too, as part of the church. And so when Paul addresses children, don't be offended at that. It's a a very generic term that really means someone who has parents. (laughs) So don't be offended if Paul says you're a child and you... I'm a teenager, I'm not a child. We translate it that way in English. It sounds good, but it's a fairly generic word in Greek for someone who has a parent. Okay? So we all have something to gain from this. And... And if you're an adult, by the way, and you think, well, I really can just chill out this morning, um, keep in mind that the things that Paul asked children to do, he asks us to do as well as children of our Heavenly Father. And so instead of sitting here thinking, oh, I'm glad he's talking to my kids about this, what you should be thinking as an adult is, how does this apply to me in my relationship with God? Okay? So, let's get started. I've already given you one assumption. The assumption is that everybody in that room at that time would be listening and understanding to what God was saying. Either they were a believer, or as Paul has very clearly presented the gospel in this book, they would begin to think, do I believe that? As I get to these very practical applications and I find that they're hard, why are they hard? Are they hard because I haven't, and for those of you who are young, this applies to you too, you can begin even now training your minds to put off sin and put on righteousness, as Paul talked about. You can choose to, when those thoughts come in, I don't want to do this, you can make the decision that, you know what? If I believe in God, if I believe in Jesus, I really can do that. I'm dead to sin. I can choose to put my selfishness and what I want to do aside and be obedient to what God has called me to do. So there's, a, there's an assumption this morning that those who are listening are believers. And so a great opportunity this morning, if, if you're just not sure where you stand with God, He has sent His Son 
to die for you. Because we all need a Savior. We're all sinful. None of us walk through this life perfectly. We all have offended a holy God, and yet instead of, as we've talked about before, squishing us like a bug, He sent His Son to take the wrath we deserved. And so as, as we've been talking through this book, and as we get to this passage about children obeying your parents, and you find that difficult to do, there really are two reasons that's difficult. Number one, you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, and you need help. You need to say, God, I, I can't do it. I am a sinner. And, and all these things we've been talking about, the fact that God sent His Son for me, I, I want to change allegiance from my own selfishness to be on, on God's side, in a sense, to allow Him to forgive me of my sins. And if you're there this morning, you can talk to me afterwards. You can talk to one of your parents afterwards. You can talk to uh, any adult in here, and they would be happy to help you understand that process. But the second option is you just choose not to. You choose not to obey. You choose not to walk with God because, well, you're like, you're like your parents sometimes. We're selfish. We want to do our own thing. And so when when someone asks us to do something or God asks us to do something, we go, I don't really want to do that. And we refuse to put to death that selfish part of us that God says, that Paul told us, really is already dead. You've died to sin because you've died with Christ. Sin is no longer master over you. And you're alive to God because you've been raised with Christ. You can choose to do well through the power of the Holy Spirit. So for those of you who struggle with obedience either to your parents or to God, the choice really is simple. You've got to begin today saying, I'm dead to that sin. When that thought comes in, that selfish thought, you've got to begin saying, I don't have to do that. And replacing that with a God-honoring desire of, okay, what's the right thing to do? And begin practicing. The Christian life involves practice. That's what sanctification is. It's Today I'm going to do something I didn't do yesterday for the glory of God. So those are the assumptions that, that Paul makes. So what is obedience? When Paul says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, what does he mean by that? Um, well, first of all, it's parents. It's both of them. It's your mother and your father. God calls us as children to obey those He's put in authority over us, and that includes both mom and dad. You may tend to obey one more than the other due to how much time you spend with them, due to maybe how strict they are. But ultimately, that's irrelevant. God calls us to obey both of our parents. And then He says, in everything. And you may say, but what if I don't want to? Well, Paul says, you obey them in everything because God has put them as an authority in your life. Well... But what if I'm in the middle of doing something that's really important to me? Well, the Bible says that really doesn't matter. God has put an authority in your life that if they have asked you to do something, even if you're in the middle of that, then you follow what they've asked you to do. That doesn't mean you can't talk about that afterwards. That doesn't mean there aren't rules and, and things in our house. If someone's in the middle of doing something and they're asked, the, the appropriate response is, yes, mom or yes, dad. 
put down what you're doing and then say, I'm in the middle of something. May I finish that? Yes, I'll do that. There's, there's give and take. They have, they have the, the privilege of, because they obey most of the time, of, of entering in the dialogue after they've said, yes, I'll obey. Well, what if it's hard? Well, life is hard and you need practice. <laughs> i just be blunt about that. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we're asked to do. And sometimes obedience to parents is hard and that gives you a great opportunity to practice. What if I think they're wrong? Well, sometimes parents are wrong. As long as it's not illegal or immoral, they can be wrong and you still need to obey them. Now, if they're asking you to do something that's illegal or immoral and that kind of freaks you out, you're more than welcome to come talk to another adult and we can figure that out. But cleaning your room is not slavery and therefore that's not illegal. <laughs> Hard work that makes you sweat, you may think is, is unfair labor practices, but it's not. So that doesn't fit into that category. Okay, just so you know, you can't abuse that system. I know your parents in here. My guess is that no one's asking you to do things illegal or immoral. So obedience is what we do. But what I want to really focus on this morning, that's all well and good. And we know that, and you know that, right? The issue is, why? Why do we have to obey? Why is that so important? Because we know the right and wrong. I mean, there's not anybody in here who knows you're not supposed to obey your parents. There's not an adult in here who knows you're not supposed to obey God. So why? That's what I want to make very clear this morning is there are some good reasons why we obey. Number one, every believer in life is called to obey God. And therefore... As a young child, you need to begin to get in the habit of realizing that there are authority figures in your life. Number one is God. And that God has placed authority figures on earth. Number one, parents. Number two, government. And you're going to have to, if you want to please God, obey someone all your life. And it's much harder if you've spent 10, 15, 20 years, 25 years ignoring the authority figures in your life when all of a sudden you feel the weight of, of God on you to go, oh, I'm just going to change all of a sudden. It's difficult to do. And life will become more and more and more painful for you if you wait to begin the process of learning what it means to submit to someone's authority. Because you're going to be called to do that over and over again. Whether that's an employer, whether that's government, whether that's God himself. We're called to submit to other people's authority on a daily basis. Maybe more importantly is, not maybe, more importantly, it pleases God. It brings great honor and glory when we as children obey our parents. Maybe, maybe you're mad at them, maybe you're frustrated at them, and that's when you do what Paul talks about. Don't set your mind on things on earth. Set your mind on things above. I'm really mad at my parents right now, and I don't want to obey, but this pleases God. It brings glory to the God of the universe 
And so even if I'm mad at my mom and dad right now, and I don't want to obey, I'm going to choose to please God. I'm going to choose to, to allow Him to gain glory through my actions. Finally, in our culture today, one of the things that obedience does is that it, it draws attention to itself. Because we live in a, a culture and a world where obedience to parents or to government authorities or to anybody else is, well, it's lacking. It's kind of like, remember the story in Mark 4 when they were in the boat and there was a storm on the lake? And the disciples were scared out of their wits and Jesus was sleeping and then he gets up and he rebukes the sea and all of a sudden the big waves go calm and the wind ceases blowing and they go, whoa, that's amazing. Even the winds and the sea obey him. The reason they were so blown away is because they weren't used to seeing water and wind obey people. That was novel to them. That was new to them. That kind of set them back a little bit. And what happened is they, they glorified God because of that and saw Jesus in a new light. And so whether you're 18 or 8 or 6 or 4, you have an opportunity through obedience to be a testimony to the world. In a world where people aren't used to seeing children lovingly and joyfully doing what their mom asks or their dad asks, you have an opportunity to just have someone take a second look and go, well, that's different. And sometimes, because it's happened to us, sometimes some adult will come up to your parent and go, wow, your, your kids obey. That's happened to us in grocery stores before. And then that gives your parents an opportunity, if they take it, to present Christ and, and why that happens. My children do that not necessarily because of me, but because God has changed them and He's changed us. And it, it gives an opportunity for a witness and a testimony to who God is and what He's done. Even if you're four, even if you're 14. You have a chance to present to the world the glory and wonder of, of God's created order that He's done things for a purpose. Not only for His glory, but for our good. He's placed parents over children as a picture of the Father and the Son and that relationship. Right? I don't need to remind you, but I'm going to again. The Son, fully God full deity who chose to, to, to lay that aside, so to speak, as Paul talks about in Philippians, to come to earth, to be obedient to everything the Father said, even though Jesus was fully God and could have done His own thing. In the garden when He said, not my will, but yours be done. Became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our example. Kids, that's our example of what it means even when it's painful and I don't want to and everything in me is screaming, why do I have to do what my mom and dad says? Would you begin the process of, of raising your eyes and looking to Christ? And parents, the same thing is true for us.
Because it's difficult for our kids to want to obey us if they see us shirking our obedience to government authorities or to our boss or to any other authority structure that God has placed in our lives. If we're, if we're good about going around the rules and, and not being obedient to what God has called us to be, it's difficult to expect our children to model that. So you and I as, a, as adults have the privilege and the high responsibility of doing the same thing. Even when we don't want to, that's a stupid rule. Well, it may be a stupid rule. But if it's not immoral, there's no reason why we shouldn't follow it because God has placed government in our lives as an authority structure so that when we obey in joy and gladness, that's again a picture to the world that thinks the government's crazy. It may be. Nonetheless, we're called to submit to those authorities. So as we go out this week, kids especially, would you begin the process of thinking, what is it? What do I look like to God day in and day out as my mom and dad interact with me? Do I honor Him by being obedient or do I make God look less than He is? And for those of us who are adults, this is an opportunity for us to reevaluate how we respond to those authority structures in our life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this morning and we thank You for uh, Your grace and Your goodness. And we thank You for all the ways that you bless us. Help us, God, to, uh, to submit ourselves to your will on a daily basis. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.